0: Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people transforming business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. Hey, everybody, this is Vesna Luca, and you're listening to the Corporate Unplugged podcast for people shaping the future of business. On the show today, Filippo Dalfiore. Today, we'll talk about ethical business and mindful leadership. Filippo D'Alfiori is an unconventional social scientist, corporate advisor, and university professor of sustainable business. And by moving back and forth from academia to the front line of highly conscious companies, he has developed a new paradigm vision for the university of the future, where science is done with a heart and a new human-centered civilization can be built from the ground up. So, Filippo, a big welcome to my podcast.
1: Thank you, Vesna. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: I'm really grateful that our paths have uh, crossed, actually, through the initiatives of the Inner Development Goals. And uh, so we met in Milan because of that and then realized more and more, actually, how beautiful and important work you're doing. So that's why you're here, Thank Filippo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. Thank you, Vesna.
0: So, Filippo, you you have... Um, A very uh, rich and also international background. You hold a PhD in economics from the University of Amsterdam, professor of business sustainability, and you worked for a decade also in the field of tech innovation at MIT in Boston. And today you belong to the University of Bologna, where you work as a professor, and you also work as as an advisor for corporations uh, through the Great Place to Work Institute. So that's a, a very rich background. I'm wondering how have these experiences shaped what issues you explore today?
1: Yes, I mean, they all play a part in my interest today. They were necessary for me to be who I am these days. So I had to go through a number of experiences. I had to experience different sections of our society in order to understand that uh, it's very important to reconcile different parts of society and it's very important for a business to adopt a different approach towards society and for academia as well to be more receptive of what society demands.
0: What would you say is your passion? It's very tied
1: to the fact that uh, whenever I'm in a situation, I'm not content with with being there and uh, superficially play my role, but uh, I want to understand on a deeper level what's going on, why uh, certain uh, social dynamics take place, what uh, motivates at the end of the day different human beings, and how how human beings end up uh, being able to shape uh, beauty in different forms, being it incredible new products uh, if we're talking about companies, or being it uh, new scientific discoveries, enterprises, if we are talking about science, and of course, by being so focused on you know this discovery part, I also became more aware of all the limits that stand in between us human beings and uh, And innovation and the discovery of of beauty and what is really needed. I've always had this, um, uh, so to say, orientation for for the fundamental level of things.
0: I'm just curious, what, what transformational points in your life have influenced you the most?
1: Yes, there were many, actually. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I feel I've been living a uh, 100 years already. I don't know, it's a strange feeling. One of them is the time I spent at the MIT in Boston. It was a few years back in my late 20s when I had this wonderful opportunity to do part of my PhD in a lab within the MIT in a very special place because over there, science and technology... Is, is everything so there it's me uh, coming from the social sciences coming from a communication background working side by side with engineers and technologists that are in love with what they uh, with what they do here is me feeling that something is is missing here is me feeling that uh, despite everything i see is wonderful and the human motivation is extraordinary but uh, human considerations and social considerations are not really there so i really understood 100 percent, how powerful science today is and how powerful technology today is but how much detached it is from humanism from the renaissance values i grew up with here in italy yeah, that was quite an experience and somehow led me to my, the following phase of my career that was not about technology. I never fully belonged to that world, so I shifted gears and went back to Italy. I focus on other topics. Another biggest experience I've done through two startups that I co-founded during my years at MIT, by the way, uh, so it was my first experience outside of Canibia, and I was, uh, to some extent, you know, very proud of myself. There at MIT you learned that you can change the world, you are important. And then there you are in the middle of a new world and you discover little by little that you really don't know anything about how the real world works. You know, things turned out uh, pretty difficult at a certain point for us. I really experienced the dramatic gap uh, that still exists between the world of academia, the world of ideas, a world that is oftentimes uh, filled with a sense of superiority, and the reality of the real world that is much more complex, much more difficult than any academic can suspect. And that proved to be a very humbling experience. And uh, at the time, things didn't go eventually well. I was still reasoning in terms of success and failure, and it was a proving time of my life. But uh, it was a necessary experience for me to grow up, to outgrow a certain mentality, and to move to my next phase. I found myself back in Italy, and uh, very much focused on on family life, because in the meantime I had married, and uh, there, there there it was my first child, so I had to recalibrate all expectations and to readdress the values that had been driving me. You know, over the years, I, I little by little changed my mentality and started to see the world in a different way, which uh, I, I consider it to be a much healthier way, less much uh, focused on myself only, on the relationships that uh, I, I'm in and on serving others as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm a different person, totally different person. If I think about myself at
0: MIT 15 years ago, wow. Today is a, is a kind of a healthy mix between the academic world and the corporate world, so you're like bridging in between the two, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now I'm uh, involved uh, within the business world as a consultant. I have the privilege to collaborate with the Great Place to Work Institute. It supports companies in understanding what employees think in terms of their well-being and in in terms of the well-being of their companies. So we collect data directly from employees and managers as well, by the way, and we sit down with them in discussing how they can improve from a human side, how they can create environments that are less stressful, that are anchored to uh, some uh, human values, and they can, uh, they, that can be conducive to a healthier and closer relationship with the rest of society. So when I go back to, to classrooms, I now teach at the University of Bologna, I'm able to bring a different uh, spirit. I mean, I'm able to describe the world of business in a different way, Uh, also provide some hope to students that sometimes uh, are very disillusioned with what uh, business uh, can do in the world. They very often associate uh, business to the problems that the world has. They recognize that uh, it can be a big part of the solution, being business the most important institution we have in the world these days. They are also you know, sometimes feeling disempowered. So I play a role that goes beyond the role of transferring some content about sustainability and business, but I play a role that um, is more related to encouraging them. They are the greater generation, and that's uh, actually one of my wish for the future. I wish we, we, all of us, could listen more closely and with an open heart, To what they have to say. Because now we live in different times. Now it's time for healing. It's not time for doing any longer. I mean, we have to recalibrate our doing. One of the gifts of my transformation is the fact that um, I have a healthier relationship with work in general. And uh, I'm able to be proud of myself when I work less, not when I work more. Meaning that uh, I, I learn to, to listen to what I truly need, moment by moment, and I learn to, I learn to stop overdoing. I learn to, un- I learn to understand that uh, the more is not always the better, but actually... That is still part of the problem. The fact that we human beings are overdoing, are doing things that are not necessary. So sometimes it's humbling to realize when I'm sitting with the executives in companies that their biggest problem is that they're doing too much. So even before thinking what else they could do in order to improve their their work environment, uh, th- somehow they and, and myself, I mean, I'm, I'm not, it's not, it's not they out there and, and me and us here. I mean, it, it's, it's us. We, we need to learn little by little how to stop and how to focus on other values. And the greater generation is pointing this out dramatically to us. They are showing to us a wounded part of us, a wounded part of the world. So it's all about the way we react. So that's why I'm feeling so gratified when I enter the classroom because I fully belong there. And what we create there is truly special. It's not just the content. We create a new feeling. We empower ourselves. They empower me as a teacher and I empower them as students and the boundary is, is very thin. Mm.
0: But if, if you would guess on the behalf of all of your students, you know, what, what is the, like the future they would like to see, let's say in, in five, 10 years from now, how does it look like there in that future? You know, how does it feel like, what's like, what's happening in that future?
1: I think in that future human beings have reached a certain level of maturity in dealing with their emotions. So they are able, as I was saying before, to recognize when they need to stop doing, when they need to focus on themselves and their personal growth. So the future, I think, students and young people uh, would like to see is a future when we become much more humbler, much more able to restrain from, you know, wearing our masks and speaking in ways that are kind of not direct and being humble to say, you know, I need to, you know, unplug, I need to change my job. I don't necessarily need to be a leader at all costs. I need to focus on myself. And by the way, this is already happening. The future that they envision, that we all envision is already here. Think about the COVID stop that have has opened our eyes in the need to recalibrate our relationship to the world. So I think one of the most important parts of the future is... Um, that we envision is a change in attitude and it's a change in the use of time i think uh, at a certain point in history maybe not so far away maybe in, in 2050 we'll turn back and realize that wow we were working 40 hours a week working meaning formal work for pay that's unbelievable with all the money you have in the world you were feeling obliged as a society to have to put 40. What about the time you can put on personal development? What about the time you can put in enjoying life? What about the celebration? What about the, you know, just uh, being? So I think we are slowly moving towards a society that is much more conscious in this respect. This doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't work if we think it's necessary but the attitude should be a different one if it is your vocation you don't even count hours I mean it's no difference you're working all the time I mean these days I think I'm working all the time I mean I I have intuitions coming from you know spending uh, the dinner at home and it's all connected so yeah But uh, it it took some conscious effort for me and some uh, strict self-discipline to get there. And I had to, you know, to overcome some social stereotypes, (laughs) not feeling guilty for uh, shutting down my computer at 4 p.m., for example, instead of 6. That took a long time. But uh, that proved to be very (laughs)
0: empowering. That's wonderful. And I... I love, the, I love the term life work, like together. So like there is no, this is life and this is work. It's all together. And when we can arrive to that, as you say, everything becomes clear that you're investing all moments of your life in something that you, that you really are passionate about and are engaged in, in a state of flow. And you realize that
1: the less you do, the more this flow is there for you you realize that things happen around you that support you. It's unbelievable. So you learn to restrain, refrain from from over planning and and you see things coming to you instead of you having to look forward to look for them. And that's uh, that's power because that means that uh, you are becoming an attractor and it opens your eyes because... uh, you, you are, we are not here to work on our project. We are here to be in a network of people that is supporting each other all the time. So the moment I'm opening up to, to opening up also my work towards others, not being it my project, only my project, then you see how things flow out of you and towards you in, in, a, in a magic way. You start receiving more support and giving out more support. It changes the relationship you have with the world in many ways.
0: Filippo, if you would assume that you have all doors open to you and all resources available to you right now, what would you rush to innovate or or change?
1: (laughs) So since many years, I've been growing a vision for reforming the academia and the educational scientific system in general. Because I experienced the first, and I'm, a, and I'm still experiencing also with the help of my students, how many outdated, generic, insulated, intellectual only, and Western ideas are dominating still these days the academic world, the many disciplines and methods that compose the academic world. So we dramatically need a new academia. We dramatically need a new scientific system because the challenges that we are facing as humanity are radically more complex than when that system was designed, which means uh, the 19th century, during the Industrial Revolution. So the system is uh, dramatically not up to the task and uh, needs urgent reform. A reform that has to start by dismantling all the divisions, hierarchies, the individualities that still permeate the system. Think about the disciplines, you know. I'm an economist. Here is what I'm supposed to know. Here is what I'm not supposed to know. And there is the field where I can, you know, establish my truth. And I don't need to, you know, get feedback necessarily from non-experts because they don't know. But guess what? Economics is still granted on ideas that are, you know, not belonging to this age. For example, one of the first things that I ask my students when I enter a class is the following. What's the ultimate aim of companies? Most of them reply in the way they have been taught over years of uh, business-related courses and economics-related courses, and they say, well, the ultimate aim of companies is to maximize profits. Well, I say, do you know where this com- is this coming from? Is this the truth? I mean, I'm not telling them that uh, this is uh, not available, but I'm telling them that there might be many, many more ways to answer that questions, And actually, these many, many more ways were there before the Industrial Revolution, before uh, the academic system as we have it today acquired such a dominance uh, in the world. So I think it's time to deconstruct some of the ideas that uh, still permeate academia and uh, at least uh, in the social sciences that I know best, Think about medicine, for example, and all its focus on conventional Western medicine and its rejection of Eastern uh, methodologies and uh, streams of knowledge that are useful for healing. So, yeah, I think that the future university will uh, all be about correcting what is partial, dismantling divisions these divisions at many levels for example between students and teachers why why should teachers be superior i mean this is a subtle but very powerful thing i mean it affects everything it affects our spirit if we enter the classroom and we fear f- fearful then wow i mean the relationship and the inner relationship that we can build is totally different than whenever we have a safe environment where there's no sense of uh, superiority or inferiority, then dismantling divisions between uh, what we today consider scientific and not scientific. What we consider not scientific sometimes is because of lack of understanding. I mean, Sometimes in science, we talk about chance. You know, we, I believe it's, it's lack of understanding. I mean, we'll prove one day that we are still at a very early age of science and technology development. So I think the first step is to broader our view beyond these divisions and then uh, overcome divisions uh, related to methods, to appropriate versus less appropriate method and eventually reconcile another big division, uh, which one could uh, name chasm, between the scientific domain and what I might define the spiritual domain or the wisdom traditional domain, which at a certain point in history, after Galileo, somehow took different paths, and now it's time that uh, they get reconciled. So, as you can see, there is a lot of work to do, a lot of work, but this has to be done in a different spirit. <laughs> and if it has not yet been done, that's that. That means that uh, the spirit was not there yet. It's no mistake. We weren't ready for that. So yes, I I have this vision, and I can I I I can already see. I mean, it's I I really envision the university of the future, I would call it the university of the world this time. We are still used to universities that then are called as the cities that host them. And this uh, is uh, somehow in line with the competitive <laughs> world. We still lean in, we compete, uh, and uh, you know, among countries and universities. So I wish to see a university of the world and for the world
0: beautiful, but Filippo, I'm thinking, how many people in your world in academia, maybe also within the corporations you're interacting with, how many have you discovered you know that are thinking at least a bit like like you and envisioning what's possible because it's 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 incredibly important to transform education and you can have literally different kind of, let's say, strategies to how to achieve that, how to get people on board, how to get more people to want to do that and not feel like you're a beautiful exception to, to you know, what is out there. Do you feel that there is a certain momentum in these times now that people's need for a more, you know, profound and meaningful education that taps into the world that we have here? Do, do you think that, that it's this awareness in general has been raised lately.
1: People from different fields also awakened by their own personal experience with children. Their children going to school and finding situations and content that has not been changing for 30 years, when they were children, that's that's the case for me, for example. <laughs> so they are opening their eyes on the need to do something, and uh, the need to radically review our ideas on w- what education is for and what education is. I can feel a convergence of people coming from different sections of society, including the business world, and. Um, I think all of a sudden, yeah, there will be something happening that accelerates the movement and uh, we might be able to see incredible new things in a much shorter amount of time than than we might expect today. I mean, the time is accelerating in general in society. So, yeah, I'm ready for some big shift in the next uh, 10 to 15 years, even before that.
0: And why is it based on the fact that people are gradually kind of inviting themselves into this inner growth, so to say, to understand themselves better and their role, and then in, because of that, understand that, that we need this change and then they're going to kind of hundred percent commit to whatever they can do to make it happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think inner work is crucial. Inner work is the very work that allows us to fully understand our soul's will, which is very different than what we think from the uh, egoic point of view that we want. I mean, we all have both sides, right? I mean, uh, I'm um, still uh, grounded on... (laughs) on my ego, and but more and more I'm able to listen to the voice of my soul, which is much more subtler and much more oriented to the greater good, much more oriented to the greater good, much more oriented to seeing the satisfaction of others as my own satisfaction, much more, much less preoccupied of what is mine, what I have to gain, what I have to lose, much less preoccupied to uh, vis-à-vis, you know, fame and status and personal wealth, and much more in tune with what I truly, deeply want to do, which is the same of what the world truly and deeply needs. That is an amazing discovery that that's that's the discovery that make you realize that there's no separation whatsoever i mean that the best interest for you is the best interest for society as well so when you you know you go to work and you do certain things but then you come home and you're frustrated because your child gets thought in ways that uh, don't belong to the present moment then there's something deeper to be explored. And if you allow to be home without thinking about work, the formal work, and truly listen to your reaction, you discover that that there be a sign from your soul (laughs) saying, hey, I deeply care about this thing, about education. I deeply care about my child. I deeply care about all children of the world. And the same is true vis-a-vis the greater generation. I think they are still invisible. The more we open our eyes, the more our soul awakens, the more looking at them is kind of hard. I mean, they are kind of... I mean, I think young people are kind of more transparent. They communicate with their present much more. And they, these days, communicate the needs of the world In a much more open way than was the case in the past. So if we you know proceed in this path of inner development, then we can't avoid but seeing them, truly seeing seeing them, see the greater generation. And when we see them, then we cannot we we cannot go back to business as usual. Again, this is already happening. This is happening uh, as as usual. It starts small and then it grows bigger and at a certain point it gets to the critical mass to, to shift everything. So I'm very confident that the future will bring some huge surprises in positive terms for us.
0: This part we are mentioning as the key in our growth a lot of people might think about it, like, yeah, it's up to you, Filippo, to do the inner growth journey. When you built it in also into a company where people are spending 8, 10 or whatever hours a day, imagine that beautiful container of, with people that you collaborate with where you can also in parallel discover things that are part of the inner growth journey. I mean, that's just a win-win-win, triple win. Absolutely, and some companies are realizing that uh, I'm thinking about Google or
1: other companies. They allow employees to meditate during a formal working time in a specific context. So they, companies, are quickly understanding how important, for example, meditation is. I consider meditation as one of the main tools for inner growth. It proved to be the main tool for me, at least. Innovative, uh, enlightened companies are already discovering that productivity is not necessarily a function of time. That's part of the old, outdated ideas that we are still breathing within school, right? (laughs) We have to dismantle those ideas. The more, the better. The more time you put, the more productive you are. But look more closely. What are you doing? What are you really doing in front of a computer eight hours a day? There are incredible margins for for efficiency if you look more closely and innovative companies are understanding that and allow employees to manage their time more flexibly. Think about that. Companies, by overdoing, complicate their lives. Because uh, the moment you start overdoing, the moment you start uh, putting the extra hour only because you have to even if you are tired, exhausted, and uh, you need a totally different thing, then that is the moment when you are building a noise for yourself and for the company. So the more becomes not the better, but the contrary. So learning when to stop becomes crucial. And in, lo- in order to learn that skill, you need to be more present, you need to be more awakened, also from a spiritual point of view, and be able to observe better your behavior and respect. You need to respect yourself more. We need to respect ourselves much more. Yeah. Respect, could you,
0: you, uh, when you say respect, I'm also thinking respect equals love, right? It's like if you love yourself and others, you can respect yourself and others more.
1: Exactly, and uh, I think that's the beauty of the Great Place to Work Institute because uh, even if we don't mention that, we have love as one of our core beliefs. We ask questions that are very straightforward to employees in companies, questions that are related to, to relationships, how healthy it is your relationship with your supervisor how healthy it is, the relationship you have with the the job that you do on a daily basis. The moment you understand where you are, it's a moment when you can understand how to correct your position and how to move towards more respect and, yeah, more love in general, being love the ultimate source of everything good that uh, we can do. So, yes... That remains the ultimate goal that we can tap into and the ultimate uh, means for accomplishing things.
0: Uh, Filippo, I'm thinking about leaders and managers who are listening to this now. If you would give them one piece of advice, what would that be?
1: Learn when to stop and uh, allow yourself to rest and reflect. That proved necessary for me, indispensable that sometimes proves very humbling you need to fight back because part of you doesn't want to stop part of you is driven to results is driven to towards something ambitious that you want to accomplish and that part has to be respected but at a certain point a different part of you has to has to win (laughs) yeah you need to allow yourself to rest and reflect and restrain And refrain, refrain from doing certain things. Ask, each time you need to have to take a decision, is this really necessary? Is this really necessary? And allow some time, some calm time, for the answer to come from inside you. And if there's some minimum sign of doubt, then don't proceed. Don't proceed, because the moment you proceed with something that is not necessary, it's the moment when you create troubles for yourself and your company, by the way. It's a moment when you do things you might regret and you might uh, complicate things for your company. I think uh, the future lies in simplicity. We created a complicated world, and sometimes... Companies still complicate the world out there by overproducing and overmarketing all sorts of pro- products out of fear of being outcompeted. Stop listening to that voice. Simplify things. Restrain from doing things, and even become more original. What I see in companies, oftentimes is, is that the focus is very much on. Uh, Outbeating the competition, copying what others are doing, looking at the benchmarks, that's I think that has value, but uh, it, it, it is a tool, it, it's not a modus operandi. Do that, continue doing that, but at the same time focus on what you truly want to do, focus on your originality, focus on uh, on the people you want to surround yourself with. Focus on the moments when you are truly enjoying your work. Focus on the feedback that uh, comes, the positive feedback that comes from your clients, because there might lie signs about what your company can do to really support and heal this world.
0: Great advice, Filippo. And what do you think is the most important thing for companies to focus on right now?
1: Challenging some hidden beliefs that still rule the way we think within companies. For example, the hidden belief that growth is always a good thing, is always a desirable thing, or... Profit maximization is always the ultimate goal. Sometimes we would agree with people that tell us different uh, things, but hidden inside, our belief will not change because it's a system of beliefs that live within us that still support that belief that growth is always good. That's not the reality of things. For example by studying biology by looking at biomimicry we discuss a lot about biomimic and biomimicry with uh, our students within a sustainable business course so looking at nature as a source of inspiration and as a model for business we discovered that uh, plants at a certain point stop growing they don't grow forever Uh, plants at a certain point die to give uh, leave space to other plants to grow. So, yeah, I think that we need to learn little by little by to dismantle some ideas and also to become less emotionally attached to our companies. If our companies don't go right, if they fail, that doesn't mean that we are a failure as human beings. It doesn't say anything about us as human beings. We are available no matter what. So there's no need to attach all of our value to our career and to our companies. And if our company fails, we will be well able to find another job. We will survive. Sometimes we are driven out of fears. Fear of losing our status fear of losing our job, fear of running out of money. I mean, we need to talk about these things. I mean, when, talk, when I say we need to change our beliefs, I'm hinting to the fact that uh, we need a much broader social discussion on what, what supports these beliefs. That sometimes is fear. And since fear is the lack of love, then it's the only obstacles in the way to love that we need to overcome. So, yeah, I think that's the ultimate lesson that my inner growth is teaching me. If uh, the best use of my time (laughs) is always the one related to looking at my fears and uh, being uh, open to, yeah, dismantle them.
0: If I listen with this, you know, corporate business mind of mine, and I'll, I would say yes to everything you've said, I totally agree. And at the same time, I'm thinking in their own reality, in leaders' reality, they're going to say, if I do all this, my, I will not meet my KPIs. That's a boring comment, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yes. what you, like what you want to measure what matters. So it's a discussion about what matters. And what dream KPIs would you like to have for a company in order to be aligned with with those insights?
1: Within companies, there are priorities. And we do the right thing if we follow them. So I'm not an advocate for radical transformation. I'm I'm an advocate for diversification. So what I'm advocating, for example, is that uh, companies continue working on their KPIs but do it in a much more critical manner. And in order to acquire that critical view, a good use of time within company context is, uh, for example, listening to podcasts like yours. Podcasts like yours are not for coming up with the next uh, KPI. They position themselves at a totally different level, even at a higher level, in a sense, because we cannot purport to change our behavior if we don't first look at our assumptions and beliefs. But that takes a lot of time. That takes a different set of gears. So, yeah, but again, some companies are already doing that. For example, once again, Google is hosting speakers from all uh, ways of uh, livings and uh, uh, countries and with all sorts of ideas that just uh, come there and entertain these new ideas with, uh, with managers and employees. And that's it. That's wonderful. That's all we need to do. Let's relax. We have done our part. We have listened to your podcast for an hour. Wonderful. Sooner or later, you know, we listen to two and then to three and then little by little, you know, we, the, the important thing is to move, start moving into, into a certain direction. We cannot, uh, the world will not be ready. Your company will not be ready to be changed in an abrupt way. That will be part of the problem again.
0: So my final question to you, Filippo is, so what do you think the world needs most at this very time? Ah,
1: Well, I think that from my point of view, what is most needed is a broader, a much, much more broader understanding of uh, what is going on. I think we are still very blind. We don't understand what's going on and we don't understand ourselves. We have wrong ideas about uh, how things work in reality. I think sooner or later, with the help of science, a new science, a science with a heart, I would call it, we realize that the world works in very different ways and has ways to evolve that we could not even predict. So I think with broader understanding, uh, this broader understanding will generate uh, a more compassionate, approach. it will generate more forgiveness. I think when, when opening our eyes to, to the truth we'll, uh, we'll discover that uh, love that, that you mentioned at a certain point is, uh, is the only and uh, ultimate agent of, uh, of improvement for this world. So ultimately I think we need to realize that we don't need to change the world. <laughs> but we need to change the way in which we relate to the world and to each other. Wanting to change the world, which is very popular these days, is still, even if the intentions are good, part of the problem. Why? Because the moment you want to change the world is the moment when you are not accepting it as it is. You are rejecting it. That introduces an element of the force, of the fear into the game. So, yeah, whenever we do things with a different attitude, whenever we do things we, with love, whenever we relate to each other in this way, then we are truly changing it <laughs> because. Uh, Yeah, we start operating at a different level. And then the world will take care of itself. It will take care of itself. We need to trust. We need to trust life. We need to trust. We need to relearn how to trust life and ourselves, but less from a point of view of the ego. Let's trust ourselves as souls and let's trust life
0: beautiful and i also keep thinking about you know the courage to care like if you come from this caring you really care about people around you and about uh, everything uh, the nature etc around us then you will have the right kind of wavelength for whatever you do you will do it for the right reasons But you also need a lot of courage also to sometimes also stand up for for things that are really about caring uh, for for the world and for the life you have around you.
1: Yeah, may I say one last thing about caring? I think what might very well support caring, and I'm thinking about companies uh, at this very moment, is the fact that the more you know the reality out there the more you, it's easier to care for it. The problem in today's global world is that uh, we individuals and companies operate very much detached from the things that we, from the origins of the things that we use. Think about the, prog- the products that uh, we consume, quote unquote, daily, at a daily basis. We rarely know where they got produced, how, in what spirit. In what relationship with the environment so my invitation to uh, leaders of companies my invitation to myself is uh, spend more time with your uh, suppliers with your clients Uh, travel to the place where uh, your partners are and not just uh, look at them as numbers in a spreadsheet but get to know them as people get to know them as uh, beautiful landscapes, then it will be much more easier to care. And the obvious nice, good thing to do will, uh, will immediately be clear to you. So, and I think this is the next wave in sustainability, evolving from a superficial view of sustainability to a fully experienced way of approaching it. So by wearing different shoes and doing different things.
0: That's a great piece of advice, Filippo. Uh, definitely. That's, that's yeah. where transformation comes in, when you really meet with the reality you are caring about and you want to change as well, together.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. How was it to be on the podcast,
1: Filippo? It's amazing. I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised. I was uh, having an intuition that uh, this would prove... Uh, very, very nice when (laughs) you anticipated to me the questions, but yeah, it's much better than I could expect. Mm. Thank you, Vesna. (laughs) You're doing a very important job. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Filippo, for being on the show. Thanks for sharing. And to find out more, you will find links and show notes on corporateunplugged.com. Thanks for listening to the show. To make it easy for you to find and listen to this show again, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And please share this episode with one person you know would benefit from hearing exactly this. Please rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it. I'm Vesna Luca and you've been listening to Corporate Unplugged. And until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.